B <laughs> B um well good evening uh Flint City there's the sun setting I know How, what do you say he I said halo. he said um like the sun setting in the slot machine of tomorrow that was a picture I watched as a kid <laughs> And I never forgot that line because it was so ridiculous. Yeah. Happy Tuesday. Happy Tuesday, darling. Happy Tuesday. Um, so we are going to do once a month little videos. We're going to read a book and talk about them. Eventually, people will join us in these conversations. But for now, it's, just, it's just you and I, these talking heads floating. And our last little video, they've had a lot of people jumped in and they were all like, we like Angie. That was, that was, that was the, um, Aww. that was the, um, consensus. Consensus. Well, people thanks. I like they you liked, too. They liked Angie. Okay. So we read a book this month uh, called The Gospel Comes the House Key. The Gospel Comes to the House Key by Rosaria Butterfield. Um, now, a couple things. I suggested this, when I suggested this book be read, I had no idea what it was. I didn't know who the author was. It was a gamble. It was a gamble. <laughs> I heard good th people I truly care for, people that I respect, had really spoken well of it. And I thought, I want, and, and I'm really trying to read books that are outside my wheelhouse. I'm looking for, to read books that, like we all read the things we like, right? You just read the things that are in your in your lane. Hold on, Angelina, please let the dog out. We're recording a video, and it's your dog <laughs> having children. It's it's uh, enjoyable having a dog. Also enjoyable. Okay, so we pick up this book to read. The gospel comes with the house key. I wasn't ready for it. I'm going to say something really mean, but very kind. <laughs> most books, most books are just bloated articles. Most books are just yeah. like, like that, I was looking at a book by Simon Sinek, like Know Your Why. The book's terrible. Oh. Terrible. Poor guy. Sorry, Simon Sinek. He sold like a, a couple million copies. He's not, I mean... the guy's rich beyond belief. He, he doesn't need me to prove him. But he did a TED Talk about that topic, Know Your Why. And the TED Talk was unreal. It's, like, it's eight minutes, and it's like truth bombs, dude. Just like truth. But he bloats it to this book, and it's like wah, wah, wah. Who was it that said most books should be articles, most articles should be tweets? Was that Stetzer? If he did, he's a brilliant <laughs> man. Um, but that's how I feel like about a lot of books I read. I look at them, and like... I can almost scan a lot of books I read because they're just like, and I'm going to say, I mean, I guess it's not just Christian books. This is, this is pop. Books that are popular out there, a lot of them are real bad. A lot of self-help books are real bad. You know, a lot of a lot of books, a lot of these like, girl, wash your face. These are terrible books, a lot of these books. <laughs> Did you read that book? I mean, you can read a chapter and go, oh, he, oh, he, hey, oh, hope it's ghostwritten. Hey. Uh, oh, wow. <laughs> and so, real me. I think this book to be more the same. I'm like, there'll probably be one cool thing in this book and then the rest will be fluff. I wasn't ready. 
There's a lot in here. It's a book. A lot. It's not a, it could be an article, but you'd miss so much. Yeah. I think it'd have to be at least a series. She covers so many different, different things, different topics related to this. She is truly, she is truly putting forth a worldview. Mm-hmm. She's saying this is a way to live a Christian life. And she's going to model it. She's going to defend it. She's going to prove it. She's going to talk about some of the problems with it. Um, excuse me, she's going to show also the effectiveness of it. So she's got a lot of work to do. Mm-hmm. Now, her voice as a writer. Um, some people I talked to that read this didn't love it because she she's verbose. Mm-hmm. she repeats herself yes but also she can be very philosophical very scholarly very abstract I mean I put question marks in the margins sometimes because I was like what is she talking about and I usually can track with people and I was like like she would make comparisons that were kind of I think we're supposed to be poetic and I was like I don't get this metaphor at all so, um I enjoyed the philosophy. I enjoyed, she has a theological depth that I did not Mm -hmm. expect. She is well-read and she's very biblically sound. She, she's grounded. She knows she believes Mm -hmm. and she doesn't mince words. She's more bold than I am in a lot of ways. Like I, I, I'm, I'm kind of big softy. I'm kind of like, trying to be kind, like not kind, kind I'm not right, kind of, what's the thing? Gracious? Yeah, I try to like leave room for like conversation in the middle. She's just like she just says stuff. This is true. This is true. And she doesn't apologize. Mm-hmm. And I'm really, really grateful for that. So so I loved her voice. How do you think of her voice, babe, as a writer? For the most part, I thought it was good. There were a few times where she got into really deep waters and I was like, I I could follow it, but I was like, I don't know if we need to be going into all of the like theological philosophical thing. And I know some of it was, she was giving her own background. So she was kind of like explaining um, her own journey and how she came to some of these conclusions. Um, Some of it was just really, I don't know. Um, I guess she was thorough. And that's, that's not bad. It just, I was like, can we just talk about how, like, can we just get your beans and rice recipe? Like I, sometimes I just want, you know, the practical, like, do we really have to get up at four 30 in the morning to do that? Like the, the nuts and bolts kind of stuff. Um, but I did appreciate that she, because of her background, I think she had, that's part of why she could be unapologetic. Cause she had all, she has examined all of these viewpoints, obviously. And so she has come to these conclusions I, I assume through hard fought battles because the things that she's mentioned, she's like, this is what I used yeah. to think. This is what I believe now. This was wrong. This is why. Like, um, so it was good. It was just like, it was a lot. And I felt like we were all over the place sometimes. But the, like the stories that she weaves through about her neighbors and just the everyday kinds of things that they do, like that, that really resonated with me. Um, so I put the, the cart before the horse, which I, so I heard her voice. Let's talk about the book, what the main point of the book. The, the thing you see, the phrase you see in this book over and over again is radically ordinary hospitality. This book is her saying hospitality has been lost in America. Mm-hmm. I don't think she's wrong. 
No. Um, I, some 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 random place somewhere in the world, I heard someone make this observation, and I've I've been taken by it for for years. I live in an old. Um, are, are the buildings in my neighborhood are built in the 1920s, and every house in this whole neighborhood, the houses are detached. Every one of them. That was the style from the garage. Yeah, from uh, the house, the garage are detached yeah. one from another. That's the style um, post World War II, like coming out of well, before well, World War II, before, yeah. and then out of the war, the boomer style. What happens is you have this 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 new trend of making the house and the garage join. Well, they be- built the suburbs basically, and this becomes the uh, what people want. People like this. People want this, and one of the reasons like they, they people are, you can go try to go back in time and see people's. Um, the reasons why people liked their houses this way, that people wanted to be more just kind of self-contained. Mm-hmm. I don't want to see the neighbors. I don't want, I'm going to pull yeah, in, from work. Yeah. close the garage, and I'm in my little cocoon. Mm-hmm. We don't know our neighbors. We don't live really down the street from us. Um, we are cut off. And that's only gotten more so. Mm-hmm. I mean, nowadays through social media and through uh, virtual communities, I can find groups on Facebook of like people who like um, brown little doggies with three legs. And you can find that group and have that people just like you. So I don't need my neighbors. I have this group that agrees with me to the minutia of my thoughts. And she's saying, there's a way to break through all of the division, all the walls, She's like, invite people in your house and eat with them. Mm-hmm. That's and that, that's, an, that's a simple idea. And she goes to war for it. She's like, you're like, you need to reorient your life to have space for people to enter into your home, enter into your lives. And doing so, opening your life to people allows them to experience the love of Jesus. Mm-hmm. That is the core of her. That's what all she's saying. And here's the thing. She's got some Bible on her side. Jesus was called a glutton and a drunkard because he ate so much and he drank so much. He'd go to people's houses all the time. People invited me to go. And there's there's people who never had an honored guest would have Jesus over and they'd be so excited. They'd invite all their crappy friends, all their, you know, all their hoodlum friends over and they, and there would be joy in the house. And he would just eat with whoever invited him. Un- unreal. Mm-hmm. In this world where the Jewish world, they cared so much who they ate with. That right. like table fellowship was a gigantic issue mm-hmm. uh, to the Jew. Who can I eat with? Who can I not eat with? Um, I remember the movie, um, that movie we love, Munich, mm-hmm. with um, Strong Guy. Hold on. Children. <laughs> dog. Um, so it's, it's, this is, this is great. You just see how we are terrible parents. Our kids don't take care of their dog. It's just spoiled. Um, but, uh. She's whining because you're not giving her attention. No, no, no. See? She's right here. She's petting me right now. Hey, son, come, come here. Come here. Come here. Come here. Come here. Come here. Watch the people. Come here. Come on. Come here. Come here. Come here. Come here. It's a puppy. It's a puppy. It's a puppy. Oh, here you go. Go play. She's such a baby. Such a baby. Okay. All right. Okay. Oh, hi. So, we need attention. In Munich, the movie um, takes place after World War II, and the Mossad is created because they want to find all these 
Germans who got out of Germany who had taken part in the Holocaust. So they asked these uh, these military people to go and hunt these people down. And oh, no, sorry, Munich is about the Munich massacre at the Olympics. The Olympics yeah. And so they go find people that did this to our people and let's pick the pay. So they go and find the four people that didn't they kill them. They kept giving more lists like, oh, this guy, there was a cop that you didn't know about. Kill those two guys too. They kept killing people. And they realized after so long doing this, they thought they were doing it for the country, but man, they realized that, holy cow, they have been, they have done some terrible things and it's changed them as people. And uh, one day, one of the um, ambassadors, the, what do you call that word? Government people that's high up comes to see one of the murderers that say, you've done good things for our country. You, um, you've done great things for our country. It was a righteous cause you were a part of. And the, the assassin says, you know what? The wife and kids have seen a long time. Why don't you come to the house and have a meal? And he puts his hand up to shake his hand. And the guy doesn't take his hand. And he denies the request. And that's how the movie ends. And I remember being in awe. Because in the Jewish world to this day, table fellowship is a big deal. Who you have at your table shows who you accept and who you love. And Jesus turns it on the head. He, Jesus, he just loves people that... What did it say at one time? The the, the Pharisee dude, that, that rich scribe, he says, he's like, man, Jesus, if he was a prophet, he would know what kind of woman is touching him. He would not allow it. Mm -hmm. He assumed Jesus knew, Jesus was really smart. He would know this person is a bad person and he wouldn't break bread with them. Jesus does this. And Mrs. Butterfield, she's like, you break bread with your neighbors, mm -hmm. even if they're sinners. Radically ordinary hospitality. That's what she just. I don't know if there's a single chapter of this book I didn't cry or get teared up at. Um, so I've talked a lot, babe, about the, this. I said that the book's about hospitality. Yep. So, what are some things you saw as you walked through this book, babe? Um, so, there were, I mean, there were several themes. One of the things that she talks about is just the idea that we don't live for ourselves, that what we have is not really ours at all. It's the Lord has given us what we have. It's his. And it's, you know, she talks about your home is not your castle. It's not even actually yours. It belongs to God. And so everything we have is to be used. However, he wants to use it. And that, um, that that involves sacrifice and that you have to die to yourself and you have to lay some things down. Um, but ultimately it gives you purpose as well that you're, you know, inviting people into your home. And um, she talked about that in different contexts, like um, walking through suffering with people or letting them see you when you're suffering and how that's like a, how that's such a stronger testimony in the world than, you know, just what we do when things are going great. And um, so just really a lot of practical stuff as far as just living our lives with people and, um just how much that means and probably will will come to mean even more as the world gets more disconnected. I mean, you think about how people are so transient and that people move away from their families and their friends and, you know, things like this, that like the one, the one thing she, um, the, I wrote down a quote, it's near the end, I think, but I, something had happened in the neighborhood. And so they invited all the neighbors over. I think it was when one of the neighbors had gotten a diagnosis and they didn't understand what was going on. And um, so they were talking and then they went in to eat the meal together. And the one lady said when she walked around the corner and saw the table set 
for all of them to just eat together. She said she'd never felt so loved in all her life. And that's just like, it's crazy to think that there are people who don't have that kind of connection and they need it. We live in a city and, and there's not just Flint, Michigan. There are like you go to Chicago, you go to the suburbs, people are alone, man. Um, as Americans, we believe so much in excessive uh, individualism. I, I, I make my own way and we, we hold this value up high. This is why like our movies are like salt is just Angelina by herself. She's so touching and fit everybody or John McClane and Die Hard. And so big, the, the one person versus the world. We love that story. Mm-hmm. The one lone person fights the big corporation or fights the terrorist cell group. We love that story. Here's the reality. If we win that fight, if we get our way, we are alone. Mm-hmm. And we are, as a people, alone. I talk to people all the time who have no network. Mm-hmm. Um, the um, the, uh, the CEO, what do you call Dallas Gatlin over at uh, Carriage Town Homeless Ministries? President? The president. So Probably. Dallas Gatlin was the president. He wrote <laughs> okay. a dissertation. Director? On, the director. He wrote, a, he wrote a dissertation on homelessness. And he said the number one cause of homelessness is he, is he in his study, this is what he finds. And I've not read his dissertation, but he summarized it for me. He said, the, 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 the thing, the thing someone that's homeless or not homeless is it's very simple. It's the net. Mm. Someone who's home, who's homeless has no social net to catch them. They have no family or mm-hmm. friends group. Either it's been, um, what's it called? Estranged. Right. It didn't exist in the first place. Mm-hmm. I mean, how many foster kids, kids graduate from the foster care program and up on the streets? Mm-hmm. I mean, we learned when we were studying, when we were training for foster care, we learned that the the win for foster care children, the win, they say, the state says, if we, if our kids accomplish this, we have succeeded in foster care. What are the three things, babe? Um, They're not dead. They're not in jail. And they're not homeless. That's the win. And he says that the, 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 the trainer said we, less than half of our foster kids that age out, our successes that's 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 all they want not dead not in prison not homeless and over half are one of those three things mm-hmm. if you imagine, imagine if you're, if you're growing up, coming out of the foster system you don't have a network to catch you when you fall you're out if your life death nature you're on your own and that loneliness is part of our world and this book is saying the church should be loving mm-hmm. we should be loving people in a way that they they experience the family of God. They they come together and break bread and experience God's love for them. Mm-hmm. She even calls it bringing the church to the people because there are so many people who will never, like her neighbor Hank, that would, was never going to set foot in their church. But just through them being present in his life and walking dogs together and, you know, things like that, that they had an impact in his life and that that, that is what the church is supposed to be. It's not just, you know meeting in this building at this certain time it's us reaching across those those perceived barriers of differences or whatever it may be and just loving the people around us um man opening up your house to people because some of us will invite people over once you know for thanksgiving think about think about how it's a big deal it is to invite some more thanksgiving how much of a big deal it is if we have someone oh man my mother-in-law is coming to stay in for a weekend oh man like that to us is gigantic 
And Rosaria Butterfield, she's saying, you know what we should do? We should stink it open our houses up where people coming and staying for a long time for a meal, staying late in the night or coffee, staying at our house for a week or two should be just things that happen. Mm-hmm. That, that's it's like a, almost like a Latin American Indian <laughs> mindset bringing it to America. And we're not this way. She's saying we should be this way because people need to be loved. Mm-hmm. Um. Here's some some, uh, quotes. Here's a quote from chapter two, Jesus Paradox. She said, radically ordinary hospitality is this, using your Christian home in a daily way that seeks to make strangers neighbors Mm -hmm. and neighbors into the family of God. (laughs) She tells a lot of stories of people who are not, who who start off the journey, not believing God at Mm -hmm. the end. They come to do. There's times where people confess Christ in this book, and I was I was at discount tire waiting for <laughs> their to turn they taking the putting the all seasons back on to the winter tires off all seasons back on. I'm reading this book and I'm crying. Mm-hmm. I am crying because someone confesses Jesus. This book is there's beauty for days in this book. She's a good storyteller too. Yeah, she's a very good storyteller. Um. <laughs> um, we take the hand of a stranger and put it in the hand of the savior. Mm-hmm. Oh, oh. Um, yeah. Um, a couple things to note as you read this book. In chapter like three, chapter two or three, she gives a, a schedule of her week, right? Yeah, two. Two. And it's crazy. It is. It's, there's people at her house every day. Mm-hmm. Every day. She's cooking meals for people every day. She's making, she's making beans and rice mm-hmm. for 10 to 20 people every day of her life. Every morning gets up early, 4.30 in the morning, and she puts on the food in case. Mm-hmm. She has no idea how many people are going to show up this day at my house, and I have the food ready if they show up. Now, here's the thing. What she's saying I'm all, I'm like, she's right. We had to open up. I'm looking at my backyard, getting it all ready. Cause I'm like, I'm going to invite people to this backyard this summer. I'm opening up our home. People come and gather around tables and to sip Coca-Cola on this back deck. I, 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 I pictures in my mind of the people I love in this neighborhood coming over and just sharing a burger. I can stay for a half hour. I can stay for whatever they want to stay for. Anyways, but here's reality. She's she has to get the hospitality. Yes, like the, the Bible calls it a spiritual gift. Yes, and that gift she's got it. Mm-hmm. And, and the calling she mentions that as well that they they feel called to this kind of hospitality. And the husband and wife are on the same page is mm-hmm. a big deal. The husband and wife are, she says husband and wife are there on different pages. You basically go at the speed of the slowest member. Right. Like if if the wife wanted like to go all out to have people over, the husband's like, I think I got NBA playoffs. Like you go to you his speed yeah. or vice versa. Or, yeah. Or at so, least compromise. <laughs> you got to go to speed because you don't want to hurt somebody. Mm-hmm. Um, but I just want to say, don't read her book and feel like, Oh, I, I'm so terrible compared to Rosaria Butterfield. Be inspired by this is, she's killing it. And she says she's an introvert, but she has the calling. Mm-hmm. Like, the, like her neighborhood is her mission field. It's incredible. It's incredible. 
I think table fellowship is a beautiful thing. And I think we have lots of rules from this book. Just don't feel like you got to live like she lives or you're a failure because you know, you feel like a failure all the time because she's how she lives her life, how her husband, the calling they've been given is beautiful, but difficult. Um, so I want to say that in there. She even says near the end, she's like, don't, she just says, basically start, just start where you are, but start like do something. Think about what you can do in your context, in your, you know, what, you know, depending on what your home situation is like, um, who you're living with, but, you know, just think about what you might be able to how you might be able to add that in, in some way to reach out to neighbors. Um, what else does she say in this book? What else she got, babe? Um, I thought it, it was a really good point she made about, she's talking about um, kind of how Christians are perceived in the world and that um, basically the world is sick and tired of hearing from us because we're usually just spouting what we believe and, um, she just she uses this phrase that our relationships must be stronger than our words. That if you're just she calls people cowards for doing these like sneak attacks on social media. She said where people will be like, "This is what this is what's true about this topic or whatever. This is my strong opinion. This is whatever." Um, to people that you don't even necessarily know, and she talks about how you kind of you need to earn the right. <laughs> you need to earn that right to speak truth into people's lives by being present with them and by by building those relationships um that they need to see the truth in us before we just spout it at them all the time right i mean it's a real thing like um one thing about this one about her stories you read it you understand she's she does not girl that's not raised in the church this is a woman who came to christ later in her life she's an academic she was in higher education she had like a stinking master's at a phd yeah I think she was working on the PhD. I don't know. She was a, a professor and a writer. And and she was literally working on a book to blow up Christians and how hateful and stupid we are. She's writing this book and she, she gets this pastor. She wants to interview pastor and his wife. And uh, she goes to their house for a meal and she's like, I'm going to go talk to these people. and I'm going to take notes and it's going to be great for my book. But she's kind of nervous in her car waiting to go in there. because She's like, man, what's going to be like? Are they, how many are they going to be to me? And these two people love her. And they keep inviting her over. And they keep praying for and loving her. And Jesus gets a hold of her life. It is unreal to read about the simple faithful act of a husband and wife and how that they opened their home to this woman who was hostile to their lifestyle to their beliefs and they loved her and she came to see not only that jesus was jesus was the way but came to see that if jesus is the way this is what it means for all of reality and for my life like she put that like she was a activist lgbt activist and she put that life down she's like my sexuality is not my identity like she got there without like she she just raped like she talks about um how I am is not who I am. Oh yeah. Whoa, she dude, she drops bombs. <laughs> yeah. She says, because Christian conversion always comes in exchange for the life you once loved, mm-hmm. not in addition to it. People have much to lose in coming to Christ, and some people have more to lose than others. Talking about their LGBT friends, how, how much they have to lose they have a community that's tight knit. And many of them come to the church. And if church is just a Sunday thing where you see people for an hour, 
You're going to give up this community you have for that? Dude, she, sorry. She, um, reading about her, um, yeah, reading about her story, very vulnerable, very honest, very beautiful. Um, the chapter six, Judas and the Church, is a very helpful chapter. It's a chapter really discussing, well, if you open your lives to people, can't they knife you? And she's like, yes, they can. Mm -hmm. And that's a tough chapter for me personally. There are things she wrote about. Um, Trump, excuse me, and there's stuff on there I won't go into, just very much as a pastor, I understand, especially from her husband's point of view as a pastor. Um, but there's things she says in this book. She says, one, one thing she says is that the old phrase you always say, right? Hate the sin, hate the sin love the sinner. Mm -hmm. She said, in the, she said instead of that, she said, hate your own sin yeah, and love, love the, the sinner. sinner. Mm -hmm. I really like that. Hate mm -hmm. your own sin. Like, stop yelling at everybody. Mm -hmm. Like, and, it, and it's just, it's crazy to me. She, yeah, she delves into that a little bit at one point. She's like, it's not their, their sin isn't what's going to hurt me. It's my own sin that is, that I have to battle against. It's not, yeah. Um. What did you say? She says, atheists do far less harm than hypocrites. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Um, with the Jewish chapter, she says, I know what it costs and I'm willing to pay it. And that is a beautiful thing. Um, if you have loved, if you have ever sat by someone's bedside as they died, mm. there's a chapter in here that you need to read. She talks about the holy place of the deathbed mm -hmm. in a way I've never read before. Just what God does on that deathbed is, mm -hmm. and just sitting there and and sitting there with someone as they as as their as their body fails them, and that act of love, mm -hmm. and the mystery of God in those moments. It is unreal. It is honest. It is painful. It is hard. But she, she, if you've ever had to do it, I think this chapter will break you in half. Mm -hmm. uh, I think the chapter was called, um, I think it's chapter uh, seven, right? Giving up the ghosts? I think so. Chapter seven, giving up the ghosts. That chapter on deathbed hospitality and just making yourself available to your loved ones as, as they die. She says, deathbeds are unique and holy places. I think they are. She talks too about how like um, even the most stubborn, rebellious sinner throughout their life, there's there can come that moment when they're faced with their own mortality that that, that they begin to soften. And I mean, she talks about her mother called it weakness. You know, she's like, I guess I'm weak like you now, but how, if you're not there at their side, you can't extend that, that love and that grace. And she's like, I, you know, it, it's as painful as it is just how important it was for her to just be present there to be able to, you know, talk through that with her mom as she was dying. Um, it's difficult, but it's beautiful.
she talks about how loving sinners can make you enemies. People will get mad at you for loving sinners. That one of the neighbors in their community end up being a drug uh, dealer, um, had a meth lab in his basement. And she talks a lot about what happened in the neighborhood and people talking and the gossip and the pointed fingers and how they wouldn't, even when this person was arrested, they still write him in prison and they pray for him. They adopted his dog. They wouldn't just turn and say, oh, I knew it, this guy. I, I Something was off. I didn't know what it was. They told everybody, he's our friend. Even knowing what I know about them, and they'd write them. And they pray for him and send him little care packages. Or they they buy him the little uh, packages online because you can't eat. So it, it was incredible. She's the last chapter or the last chapter nine. She goes through hospitality to the old, hospitality to the, those in prison, hospitality just to people who like the people that Jesus talks about in the sheep and the goats. Those people, yeah. She's like sick and in prison. And- yeah, all those people that that get just shoved off to the sides. Like, this is how we love people like that with radically ordinary hospitality. This book was uh, a blessing to my soul. It, uh, I loved it, babe. I think I gave it five stars in my Goodreads app. Whoa. I was like, five stars, baby. Dude, <laughs> tried every chapter. Yeah. Like, some, listen, there are some, uh, I guess, some Reformed Christian people who don't like this book because she like loves sinners too much. I, I think people might have said that about somebody else I've heard. <laughs> She's like, I'm not going to make people come to my house, even though they're train wrecks and come to my house. Yeah, she, she says a few times, she says, Jesus dined with sinners. He didn't sin with sinners, but he dined with sinners. And acceptance is not the same as approval. She went into that too. She's like, just because, you know, they're doing things that I believe are wrong. They are made in the image of God and they are worthy of love. And she's not in her house. Like she's going to I'm going to get you. Right. She's not getting <laughs> in the house and waiting for the, your guards down. It's just because they're image bearers of God and they deserve love. You know, as a preacher, there's one, there's there's a couple, babe, I don't go into all that. I'll just say this is a beautiful book. I'm glad we read it. It makes me want to live our lives differently. We're not adopting any more dogs, though. We're not adopting any dogs. I don't care if it's a meth lab guy. She, she, I'm not giving enough love today, and she's, she's letting me know. Uh, so what do you think did you like the book babe i did i liked it um so our next book uh for the month of may may it's called four words it's very different though this book this book oh, that's a lot shorter hey, oh, four hey, words. Hey, oh, you can memorize that book. Hey, hey, it's like a modern worship song hey yo 7-eleven <laughs> Seven words, 11 times. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> That's what the, fun, the funnies to say that. Uh-huh. The funnies to say, these new Christian songs, they have seven words, and you sing them 11 times. And I thought that was really funny. Um, sorry, I'm just, I, I, I grew up in fundamentalism. What are you going to do? Um, okay, so four words. This book was very uh, heartfelt, was very emotional and academic. Our next book is really a Bible book. 
It's like, here are four words that if you understand these four words of the Bible, you kind of understand the whole, a, a whole overview of the biblical story. Mm -hmm. It's really just kind of a Bible study book. It's not going to be much different. It's going to be much, much different kind of book. Um, I don't think, I don't foresee myself crying every chapter. That's it, this book. I don't know. Not gonna the be Bible's big. got some words. I don't know. It's not words. I don't be like, ooh. Oh, <laughs> um, that's our book for next month. We will have it available at Flint City Church this Sunday. It'll be on the stage. You can go buy a copy for 10 bucks. Um, and we try to have on, on uh, you'll see over on the corner of the stage, I keep a lot of the books from our, our books from the past are up there. If you want to buy one for 10 bucks, come grab one. These are great books to, to read. And I think we're going to keep, we're keep, keep going strong. We are how many months in we're, this is month four. Is four yeah. So we've read four books this month and we're going strong and, I mean, it's, babe, you're reading, you're, you've probably, this is like the most that you've read ever. <laughs> books in a year. This is crazy, babe. With, well, for one of the babies. Not when, ever. When the kids were small, you didn't have much time to read at no, all. No, I read like four books in a decade. <laughs> I'm serious. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, uh, one of them was Les Mis, so, you know. Did you finish it? Yeah. Did you like it? Yeah. It didn't end well. Nobody can end books, right? Really? Did it end well? I mean, it was fine. Wasn't a good payoff. What? Lame is. Was it, like the musical was a good they ending. should have sung. And I guess maybe I was expecting a song and there wasn't one. But anyway. If I watch the, I, I, if I watch the music, Lame is right now and old Hugh Jackman's in that chair dying and, and who was her name? Not cassette. Um, Fantine. Fantine comes, starts singing, saying, mm -hmm. you love my daughter. I, 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 it's, it's, it's such a good scene. Yeah. Okay. So we learned that I cry a lot. Dave Duran, you're welcome. The Lord is soft. If you prayed for my for soft heart, it's happy. too, but nobody congratulates me for it. I don't know. You only cry enough? You find that I cry more? No, oh, okay. I I mean I cry and nobody can oh, like I mean so yeah so we'll read that next month but than that um God bless you I uh, hope you continue to read reading good books is good for the soul Evelyn Underhill once said spiritual reading is second only to prayer as a developer of the inner life so uh, as always I'm Ernesto I'm Angie and we'll see you next month right here on this uh, Fun City Book Club. I like books. I like books. <laughs> you gotta stop. Where's the record? Yeah, uh, stop.